winning's hard. Really, really hard. One day the name of this podcast will be irrelevant, Westcott, but today, today is not that day as winning on the road remains hard for Steve Sarkeesian, the Longhorns. They're now one in six, excluding the Red River showdown. Another blown lead in the second half, this time to Oklahoma State, 41 to 34. Uh, this game almost made me want to quit my job this weekend. I think, yeah, I think everyone either wanted to quit their job or quit their fandom. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty brutal. And I think it's just uh, made brutal, more brutal by the fact that, um, you know, we've seen this movie multiple times now with Steve Sarkeesian, who is now 10 and 10 at Texas um, in large, large part, because, you know, as well as uh, the team prepares and, and comes into games with um, a good game plan, um, you know, the, the adjustments haven't been there in the second half. And so, um, you know, frequent frequent theme for Texas to get, you know, double digit leads and look strong in the first half. And then uh, just kind of just kind of fold. And, um, you know, Joey McGuire was pretty vocal about that. Um, you know, after the, the Texas Tech win over Texas, that he thought that if they kept on pushing Texas, that they would break. Um, they did. And, um, you know, Mike Gundy is, and his team accomplished the same feat on Saturday in Stillwater. Do you think this loss was any different than the loss to Lubbock, the loss in Lubbock this year? Um, I mean, not not particularly. I mean, there are definitely, you know, some aspects of it, um, you know, that were different and uh, the turnovers and, um, you know, kind of the, the shockingly poor play from Quinn Ewers, um, who threw uh, three interceptions, um, 19 of 49 passing did have 319 yards through the air and two touchdowns uh, just really struggled with his accuracy. I'm not sure, um, you know, if it was his finger, he said uh, that his um, on his throwing hand on his pointer finger, the, the nail had uh, gotten lifted off the bed, um, which was why he was wearing a glove in pregame warmups. Um, he said that wasn't an, ex- an excuse for how he played. Um, Steve Sarkeesian said the same thing um, on Monday, but uh, there's definitely something wrong. There's something wrong with him. Um, inaccurate from the start. Uh, you know, really uh, sailing balls um, all day. I'm not sure if maybe you know something was you know kind of going on mechanically there. And in you know going through the the rewatch, there wasn't anything that that really stood out to me. But um, you know, got to look at at the four of of Quinn Ewers on Saturday, and it was uh, much lower than I expected. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that were going into this game. You had the wind. It was reported that there was about 25-mile-per-hour wind gust. Um, you had the glove on Quinn Ewers. He obviously just was not on the same page with any of his wideouts. And then when it seemed like he was, there was either Xavier Worthy stumbling on what looked like would have been possibly the go-ahead touchdown for Texas or Jatavion Sanders unable to catch a, a football that ended up in the hands of Kendall Daniels being the game ceiling interception. So when you evaluate, when you evaluated everything from Saturday, Westcott was, do you think it's the injury to the, his finger, the wind, or just, he just played a bad game? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, unquestionably, he played he played a bad game. I don't think, um, you know, anyone's really going to be particularly forthcoming publicly about, you know, what exactly happened. But, um, you know, the results uh, were certainly poor, you know, on Saturday, 16 targets of Xavier Worthy, only four catches for him, five targets of Jordan Winnington, 
uh, only one catch for him. Even Bijan Robinson targeted four times, only one catch. Uh, Trick Milton as well, four targets, only one catch. So, um, you know, there really wasn't a single wide receiver uh, other than perhaps Jatavian Sanders, who, um, you know, didn't have that last interception counted as a, as a target um, in the stat broadcast uh, counting of things, six catches uh, for 76 yards uh, for Jatavian Sanders. Um, you know, he had a good game, but, you know, really other than that, it, it was a big struggle uh, for viewers to connect uh, with the wide receivers. And then the running game uh, just certainly uh, wasn't really able to come up uh, with very much success in the second half. In the first half, uh, 17 carries for 161 yards, uh, buoyed um, in large part by the two long touchdown runs uh, by Bijan Robinson and, and Roshan Johnson. Uh, Texas wasn't able to uh, pick up uh, consistent gains in the second half, 15 carries for 43 yards. That's under three yards per carry. I thought that, um, you know, Texas had a chance to, to maybe uh, wear down the Oklahoma State defense um, in the second half. It's, it's a good run defense coming into the game, uh, but I think Texas has the best running backs uh, that they faced all season. They hadn't really had a lot of uh, ch big challenges on the ground coming into the, uh, that game um, other than TCU, but, um, you know, Oklahoma State changed some things up to be able to deal with counter better. Uh, they're doing a little bit better job uh, spilling that uh, run play and rallying to the football. Uh, but, uh, you know, really disappointing that that Texas couldn't run the ball better. And, um, you know, the defense, once again, just wasn't able uh, to get enough stops when, you know, the offense started struggling one for nine on third downs um, in the second half uh, for the entire game, three for 17 on third down. That's 18 percent. Uh, Oklahoma State was eight for 19, 42 percent. Um, you know, Texas. Uh, just wasn't able to score enough points, wasn't able to keep Oklahoma State off the board. Uh, second half, 17-3, uh, to three, Oklahoma State outscored Texas. The Horns' average distance to go in third downs, 8.9 yards in that game, Westcott. And then you mentioned the rushing stats, 51 rushing yards in the second half, just under four yards per carry after nearly nine yards in the first half. And you mentioned the adjustments that Mike Gundy and this Oklahoma State defense made. They did a good job. I felt like the, the more composed team and the more composed coaching staff won this game. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, ultimately the, the better coaching staff um, in that game as well. A few more uh, third down stats. Quinn Ewers, six of 14 on third down. Um, only one... Uh, I think only one of those uh, for only three of those completions of his six completions went for a first down. Um, he was also sacked once on third down, uh, had a turnover on third down. Uh, so really just uh, an ugly game on, on third down for Texas and way too many third and long situations. Uh, eight times in the game, they had uh, third and, and nine plus. Uh, a lot of that had to do uh, with the penalties. Uh, they had a 22% uh, oh. run stuff rate, um, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, good defensive line, uh, despite having some injuries. Um, so just, uh, you know, not a clean enough performance um, from the Texas offensive line, which included, you know, long stretches with, um, you know, three three freshmen 
um, in the game because of uh, DJ Campbell uh, playing a fair amount in that game. Uh, you know, Sark said after the game, he kind of framed it as uh, wanting to get more reps for Campbell, uh, which is, you know, good sign for him coming on. But, you know, I wonder if um, some of that was also uh, the stinger issues that Hayden Connor has been dealing with uh, for some time now, since he was an offensive lineman, he was uh, coming off the field in those situations. So the first six drives for Texas in that second half, five punts and then one field goal that was set up by Xavier for these punt return. You were started three for 13 passing, finished eight for 25 in the second half with most of his completions coming on the final two drives. Did you want Sark to pull yours at any point in that third or fourth quarter for Hudson Card? No, I think when you have a quarterback like Quinn Ewers, who is clearly the future of the program, I think you let him, you know, play through these mistakes. You know, Hudson Card, you know, hasn't exactly, you know, always looked the greatest in those type of situations on the road. And, um, you know, Texas was in a, in a position where, you know, they had a lead for a lot of that time as well. So uh, I don't I don't have any problem with um, Sark sticking with Quinn Ewers. I mentioned on the, the Horn postgame show that it was Ewers' first road start, right? And people brought up the Clemson benching DJ Ugalele for Clay Klubnik. And I think a lot of that was because of Klubnik obviously went to Westlake High School. So a lot of Texas fans were invested in that, but it's not like that was DJ's first road test, right? He had been benched before and he actually came in for uh, a bench. Was it Kelly Bryant? A few, no, bench. Who, who was he came in for against Notre Dame? Doesn't matter. But a lot of people saw that and thought, well, you know, why didn't Sark do that? Or, well, he benched Finch Young for Chance Mock. But yeah, this is Quinn Ewers' first road game. And I worry about the message that sends not only Quinn, but the team when he can't even play a full game in his first road test. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that would have been great. I, you know, was really frustrated towards the end of Mac Brown's tenure with, you know, how often they would, um, you know, pull David Ash instead of letting him, you know, try to play through some of his struggles. Uh, somehow that ended up working on a handful of occasions. I'm not entirely sure how, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just don't think it's, it's a good policy to, to pull, you know, the, the future of, of your program at that position. And I think, you know, the thing with Klubnik is that, you know, if, if he wasn't a true freshman, I think he would be starting anyway. And I, I think that mm -hmm. Clemson is going to have to make that move uh, sooner or later. But, um, you know, Quinn Ewers, you know, other than this performance had, you know, pretty convincingly uh, won the job in, in the times that he's been on the field for Texas with his playmaking ability at the position. Did Mac Brown invent the uh, or on the depth chart for quarterbacks? <laughs> I don't think so, but he certainly uses it frequently. So the penalties um, have been a hot topic. Texas finished with 14 penalties. Uh, Oklahoma State, zero. From what I saw, West Scott, I thought about 12 of those 14 were definitely warranted. Eight pre-snap penalties. And for Oklahoma State, they did have two penalties in the first half. Uh, one was declined by Texas. The other offset thanks to a, a very questionable Alfred Collins roughing the passer call. Just curious what you saw, because some of it's blaming Texas leaving for the SEC, but the more I think about it, the more I watch. I think it's just Oklahoma State was the better coached and better disciplined team on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not interested in engaging in conspiracy theorizing, you know, on this topic. Certainly uh -oh. some fan bases that, um, you know, were conspiracy theorizing about you know, the, the officials um, airing in Texas's favor on, on a few 
um, you know, calls, including the targeting penalty on, on Anthony Cook that I thought uh, was correctly overturned. So uh, kind of hard to square that type of conspiracy with, uh, you know, Texas getting called for 14 penalties to zero for Oklahoma State. Just uh, frustrating uh, performance for Texas in the discipline department. Um, you know, especially, you know, Ovi Okofu, you know, off going off sides a couple of times, you know, they've had trouble in the last couple of games, um, you mm-hmm. know, with hard counts. And, you know, the frustrating thing about that is that, you know, if Okofu was actually, you know, getting good jumps and, and, you know, getting pressures and sacks and that kind of stuff, I could, you know, understand really, um, you know, taking some chances to be able to get, you know, a good jump on the snap, but um, he hasn't. And, um, you know, that's a, a frustrating lack of production um, from him that when you combine it with the lack of discipline, uh, was really harmful to Texas. Uh, one of those was, you know, a third and four deep in uh, Texas territory when Oklahoma State, you know, got a free first down out of it and ended up uh, scoring a touchdown on that drive. Too many procedural penalties um, on Texas as well. Uh, false starts, um, an illegal formation on a fourth and three uh, that Texas ultimately didn't convert that would have been uh, wiped out if, if they had uh, been able to convert it. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, there probably were a couple other times when, you know, Oklahoma state maybe could have, you know, been called, called for a hold, but, sure. um, you know, no egregious, uh, misses like the Alabama game, you know, the face mask wasn't called on, on, you know, Keelan Robinson. So, um, I didn't have a, a big problem with, um, the officiating on Saturday. It was just a lot of self-inflicted wounds from Texas. And it's been a pattern too. looking back at the Iowa state game, Iowa state had two conversions on third down in the first half due to a Keandre Coburn offsides and the John Jamison offsides. So it's been a problem and it's not just, Freshmen's. It's also coming. You mentioned a GoFu, but from Jamison and Coburn, two upperclassmen. You got to expect better. Offensive line false starts. You know, I kind of understand. It's Stillwater. It's an incredible environment. You know, the the fans are literally right on top of the players. So I understand what that happens, but it's it's frustrating. There's only five penalties against Texas Tech, but there were a couple big ones. I think on third down. So it's become a pattern here that Texas just hasn't been really composed. Under Sark on these road games, that's a big reason why they're one and six on the road. Yeah, Texas, uh, fifty-one penalties now this season. Um, that's the most in the Big Twelve, tied for the most in the Big Twelve in penalties per game, six point four. Uh, most penalty yardage in the conference, four hundred and eight yards of penalties. And um, you know, one of the other things that uh, stands out to me that, that was frustrating about that performance was. You know, Sark said after the game that you know, their game plan defensively was really to try to to keep Oklahoma State from being able to complete passes um, over the middle. I think that was going to be even more important because you know I thought that Spencer Sanders didn't look like he had you know his typical arm strength, even though he was uh, apparently able to practice a little bit more uh, than he had uh, leading into that TCU game with the injury to his throwing shoulder. I didn't think that he was really going to be able to drive the ball um, outside the numbers a lot and be able to complete passes, especially later in the game. So, you know, they're a big touchdown um, that um, Oklahoma State scored. Uh, that would have been the 41-yard reception by Bryson Green, who um, you know looks bigger and stronger than um, you know his listed 6'1", 205 pounds. Uh, that was the go-ahead touchdown for Oklahoma State with 3:09 remaining in the game. You know, on that one, um, you know Deshaun Jameson was was playing with inside leverage. 
He gave it up way too easily. He wasn't able to get Bryson Green on the on the ground when he had him wrapped up. Um, and two Texas defenders really stopped on that play. Jaron Thompson, uh, Jalen Ford just didn't didn't finish to the to the whistle. Um, assumed that Jamison w- was going to be able to get Green to the ground. Uh, he was able to break that tackle and then score the the go ahead and eventually game winning touchdown. And, and I thought there are long stretches of the game where Texas, you know, really played hard and, and you know populated the football um, as Sarkis likes to say, but um, just in a really key situation, um, everybody kind of stopped and uh, that was inexcusable. And, um, you know, it was ultimately one of the factors that cost Texas the game. And Oklahoma State fifth in penalties this season. So a very a team that's not penalized a lot, just about 35 yards a penalty per game. So it kind of stacks up. If you do want to include those two penalties that were declined, 14 against two, it doesn't seem as bad. But apparently the refs did ask for Spencer Sanders' autograph in the tunnel too. <laughs> now, more negative news for Texas is Anthony Cook broke his arm. Sark said he will be evaluated after the bye week. Um, but now the, the lack of depth is already an issue. Obviously, if the secondary gets even worse, uh, Michael Taft, the walk-on, is probably going to end in the half in the start. What do you see happening from this Texas secondary with the changes in terms of personnel and players being on the field with the news of Anthony Cook's injury, plus Ryan Watts being banged up as well as Jameer Johnson? Yeah, Jalen Gilbo also left the field, uh, kind of disappointingly, not not really much of an injury update on on any of those guys at all, um, you know, on Monday. So I uh, don't really know if any of those guys are, are missing practice or might be in danger of missing the Kansas State game. Uh, lost, the loss of Anthony Cook is, is a big one for Texas. Um, you know, it's possible that, that he's played his, his final snaps uh, for the Longhorns, although, you know, yeah. uh, certainly I think that um, there's a possibility that, that he could come back, um, you know, from – for the uh, potential bowl game. Um, you know, Sark said the guys, you know, have played through broken bones before. I'm not sure how likely that is. He's week to week right now. Um, but, you know, as we've seen in previous games, uh, really hurts Texas to have, you know, Ryan Watts go out at, at there a couple of times. Um, he had a pass interference penalty and uh, gave up a completion when he, he was in phase and he wasn't able to get his head around. Uh, did get his head around on a play in the end zone, uh, came up with a big interception. So that was uh, good to see from him uh, showing a little bit of development in in that area. Uh, But Texas right now, they just don't, they don't have enough experience depth in the secondary. And, um, you know, that's kind of a a result of just having uh, too many misses, too much attrition, especially at the safety position. Uh, you talk about the losses of guys like Xavion Alf- uh, Alford. Um, Tyler Owens was a bust before he left for Texas Tech. Hasn't really been playing um, at, at Texas Tech even. Uh, a couple other guys, uh, Chris Adamora, uh, Marcus Caldwell, um, who transferred out of the program, leaving the depth thin. Um, I thought Keaton Crawford struggled again. He's really had some issues with um, his understanding of his assignments, has busted coverages too frequently. Uh, that resulted in him getting benched in that game in favor of Michael Taft, the walk-on. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, will eventually be on scholarship at at Texas and, you know, played a big role in in landing Arch Manning, but um, he's just a a little bit limited athletically. And, um, you know, you can kind of see some of the, the holes that Texas has in really, um, you know, building out their roster when you've got a a redshirt freshman walk-on playing heavy snaps at safety, 
Um, we still have Jet Bush playing a fair amount at linebacker, um, another former walk-on. You know, it's important to have a good walk-on program, uh, especially, in, you know, in giving good looks on, on the scout team or maybe contributing on a couple of special teams units. Uh, but, you know, a program that's really at full health, um, you know, doesn't have to play doesn't have to play walk-ons for heavy snaps. Yeah, we saw a lot of Maurice Blackwell as well, the junior. I think he contributed in that punt block along with Keelan Robinson that was a big play in the first half. But um, it's not looking great for Texas. And as Sark said, bye week coming up, probably the perfect time before traveling to Manhattan against Kansas State. But the next four games, Wes Scott, do you, could you see Texas – let me see. Let me ask you this. Would you rather or would you believe it more if Texas – lost the next four in a row or won the next four? It would be much more surprising if they, if they won all four, especially with the, the state of the secondary right now and, and some of the execution issues that they've had, even when they've been closer to full health. At K-State, home for TCU. At Kansas, home for Baylor. It's, it's daunting. It's, it's scary. I mean, I don't – Texas will be favored in – maybe one of those games, depending on the health of the secondary. Did anything positive happen that you saw for Texas on uh, on Saturday? I'm sure it's all been doom and gloom. But, I mean, B. John Robinson continues to be, I think, the best running back in the nation, leads the Big 12 in touchdowns again, another run of 40 yards or more, and then Roshan Johnson as well. But anything positive you wanted to bring out? Yeah, I thought special teams played well. Incredible. Um, you know, after roasting that, Danny Trejo on this podcast last week, he, he had two inside the 10. Yeah, he had four inside the 20 overall, three kicks of of uh, longer than 50 yards with a long of, of 54. Uh, he played well. You know, the only only big thing was, um, you know, Bert Auburn missed another field goal from 46 yards, hit from 33 and 37. Uh, but Xavier Worthy, uh, three punt returns for 56 yards, a long of 29. Uh, Keelan Robinson, a 38-yard uh, kickoff return among his four returns. Uh, the block punt by Maurice Blackwell. Um, so I, I thought special teams, you know, largely uh, had a good day for Texas. Uh, still kind of keeping track of, of the Bird Auburn uh, situation, you know, not quite as as consistent as it looked like he might be earlier in the year, um, you know, for a walk on redshirt freshman kicker. Um, I don't I don't think that's too surprising. He has uh, made some big kicks uh, for Texas. So uh, we'll we'll watch that uh, moving forward. But, you know, I think the big the big thing for Texas right now is um, just trying to get healthy. Um, you know, with the, the two weeks that they have before the Kansas State game um, and, and just try to try to become a little bit more consistent. You know, that, that'll be some important develop, developmental time um, for uh, those young freshmen on the offensive line. Uh, should give Hayden Connor, you know, some time to, to maybe see if the those stinger issues for him clear up and uh, to get some reps for that young secondary and, and try to, you know, get Keaton Crawford on, on the right page with, um, his assignments, you know, he's a, he's a fast guy. He's he's physical. He's a willing tackler. So, you know, he's got some of the tools to be a solid contributor for Texas, but uh, just uh, mental mental issues for him uh, right now that are that are making it difficult to play him on the back end. I thought Byron Murphy and Baron Sorrell both had two really good games. Uh, Murphy had half a sack. He had a, a really big play on 
the second to last Oklahoma State drive that allowed Texas to get the ball back and, and have a glimmer of hope. And then uh, Baron Sorrell, I believe he had, I'll pull up the stats right now. I thought he had another sack. Um, yeah, another, or sorry, he had half a, half a TFL. But I thought the development of those two guys on the defensive line was encouraging to see and got me thinking. Bobby Burton had a post on Inside Texas, but he mentioned that even with how troubling it has looked for Texas, it does seem like no one's gotten worse since last year. And it felt like at times last year, especially during that six game losing streak, that no one was getting really was getting better at all. But it seems like at least the offensive line, the D line is getting a little bit better, even though the secondary continues to be an issue in some, and sometimes the blocking as well up front, but at least they're making progress. Yeah, I think the overall trajectory, um, you know, tends to be positive. But, um, you know, I think just kind of, uh, you know, the eighth game in, in eight eight weeks, I think maybe, you know, piled up a little bit on, on Texas in the second half of that game mentally and physically. That's a, that's a tough stretch of uh, a lot of football. Yeah. The good news is that the last four games for Texas, none of those teams are coming off a bye. So that'll be helpful starting with Kansas State. Um, Adrian Martinez, he was banged up. Will Howard played a lot. Um, I haven't heard anything on, on Martinez. Wes got uh, any word on updates on him. I'm guessing he'll be good to go for the Texas game. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen um, anything in Martinez, so I don't know. But, um, you know, with the the week up before that game, um, you know, I would expect, I'd expect for him, uh, you know, to be healthy and ready to go against Texas. One thing I wanted to bring up was opponent-adjusted EPA per play. Um an analytic stat you see a lot in the NFL and even NBA. It's not the the end all be all stat, but I found this interesting, Wes Scott, that for Texas, it has them ranked as a top 10 borderline top five team. But yet when I watched them play the last two weeks, they look nothing like that. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why um, you know that's happening. I think some of it may be just uh, the inconsistency, the, um, as Sark likes to say, that the big little nature of uh, Texas will, you know, have have some good runs, have some explosive runs, and then just, um, you know, give up too many run stuffs, uh, you know, too many missed shot plays uh, down the field. That still, you know, remains an issue uh, for Texas quarterbacks. And in general, uh, Quinn Ewers, unfortunately, hasn't solved that issue yet. That's, uh, you know, been present for the entire Steve Sarkeesian area. So, um, you know, that's a frustrating thing as well. I think a big thing for Ewers in his development is just not focusing in on one receiver. It felt like he just kind of, I don't know if it was because of him getting kind of hit a lot in that first half where he just focused on Xavier Worthy and Bijan, but the the critical third down that ended up in being a field goal, Jordan Winnington was wide open, the fourth and eight. Uh, where he threw it to Bijan and double coverage on a wheel route. Jordan Winnington, again, wide open, middle of the field. It, it seems like for yours, his next step is not being so one-dimensional when it comes to just focusing on on one targets. And maybe that's just not having chemistry. Maybe it's the injury that I say in Naor, but it seems like Texas would have had a little bit more success if yours was looking for anyone else besides Worthy on every play. Yeah, uh, that was a frustrating aspect of, of the performance from Ewers. And that was you know, kind of like the performance overall. It was a little bit shocking because 
Um, he's shown the, the, the capability of, of going through his progression. So I'm not really sure, you know, what was going on with him, why, you know, he was maybe feeling a, a little bit rushed and kind of, um, you know, lacking composure um, in the pocket. But, um, you know, the flip side is that, uh, you know, we have seen him go through his progressions better. So um, it is something that, that he's already showed uh, the capability um, of doing and, um, you know, Texas uh, will need him to do more of that coming out of the bye week. He is a freshman. Uh, he technically should be a true freshman. It's his first real football action in two years. There's going to be growing pains. It's just going to take time. I don't think benching is going to do anything, but he's also not going to look like Aaron Rodgers. I think maybe the expectations for Texas increase after the Alabama game and what we saw from viewers in that first quarter and what we saw against Oklahoma, but obviously it's going to take time, even though the analytics love this football team, it, it's still year two. Um, I'm not going to get hung up over the loss too much. Um, I think on our preview pod for the season, I think I said eight and four, I think you said something like that, but it seemed like between seven and five and nine and three was the expectation for this Texas football team. Nine and three probably being, the ceiling seven and five, the floor. And even after the loss, Texas can still get to all three of those records. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough with, um, you know, the schedule ended up mm -hmm. ending up being so, so backloaded with the, uh, you know, the teams that have emerged as the best in the conference this year. Um, you know, still possible that they could make the big 12 championship game if they went out. Um, certainly that's, uh, much more out of their control than it would have been if they'd, you know, been able to come up with, you know, the, the wins against Texas tech or against Oklahoma state. Um, but, you know, I, I think Texas is still aiming towards and has a chance to, you know, kind of achieve what um, was expected of them coming into the season. Uh, that hasn't been the case in, in a lot of years. And, you know, there are signs of the program headed on a positive trajectory. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian just, he has to figure out some way to be able to hold on to those double digit leads and to be able to finish better in the second half, because um, if, if that's something that they don't get fixed, um, that could be the, the thing that um, ends his tenure at Texas. Any other takeaways from Saturday before we wrap up? I think Mike Gundy is probably doesn't get enough credit for um, as good of a coach as he is. And I, I imagine that a fair amount of that is, you know, the inability to beat um, Oklahoma consistently, but, you know, he's, he's done a great job of, of evaluating and developing talent and, um, you know, Oklahoma state's a tough team to beat. He wasn't just such a, a D bag to a lot of people. He would be a much more like coach, I think, but because of his, just some of the things he says, it's just kind of like, eh. but yeah, I do agree. Um, probably see the best coach in the big 12. Um, I think it's maybe a little, it's a little bit hard to say because some of the young, some of the younger coaches are um, maybe don't have a, a great feel for, um, you know, what they are. I mean, yeah, Matt Campbell, maybe Dame, uh, Mike Gundy right now. Yeah. Well, I know everyone, hopefully they enjoy your bye week this week. Uh, regroup, refresh. Texas can't lose this week, but uh, we'll be back next week again. Get you guys ready for Kansas State. And uh, 
maybe even a special edition Wednesday pod on Sark not singing the eyes of Texas. What about that? Uh, you don't want to do that? Okay. I think we're going to pass on that one. <laughs> All right, Wes Scott. Uh, enjoy your time off. Everyone listening as well. We'll catch you next week. Winning's hard. Really, really hard.